0: listening to That will Preach, a weekly segment on the Four Oaks Midtown podcast. My name is Brian. I'm here with our pastor, Lance Olin, here to tell us a little bit about some interesting things he's been fighting as we're going through the book of Genesis. Uh, Lance, you've had a, a bunch of strange dreams right? In fact, <laughs> that's how you write your sermons, right? You, you have a dream and then you just sort of write down what comes into your mind.
1: Yeah. Is this one I'm supposed to make the self-deprecating nightmare joke? <laughs> you can if you want. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It seems like it was right there. It was set up for me. Do and it. That's how, that's how I are supposed it. to do. Well, if, if my teaching, it's more nightmare than dreams. See? See how that works? Yeah. 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 That's We're it. all, and then all about the
0: self-deprecation. On yeah. The and then everyone this cackles and
1: do. says, oh, more than you know. You know, know, that's how it goes. It's the hard thing
0: about podcasts though. You know, you have a great joke, but you don't have an audience to laugh at. So is it even funny? You know, it's one of those existential questions that we ask ourselves. But anyway, you've got a great topic and you mentioned a little bit about your sermon last Sunday, and you can listen to all the sermons on the podcast or also on our website. Encourage you to check that out. But uh, the topic of dreams popped up, Yeah. you know, obviously it's a big theme in the life of Joseph and uh, that got you kind of going down a little rabbit hole, thinking about the purpose of dreams. What are dreams about And it seems like a lot of interesting stuff has been popping up in your study and uh, you wanted to share a little bit about that. And I think this would be really helpful because it's not something we often think about,
1: you know? Yeah. I want to get to the point of how often we think about this in a minute, because I think that's some of what I've contemplated. But if we just think about dreams in general, so Genesis 40 is all about, it's all about these dreams that Joseph's able to interpret. And then next week we're going to look at 41 and Pharaoh dreams and That's not even the first place. I think as we started Genesis, one of the things you do when you start teaching the first book of the Bible is you try to ask the most basic questions you can. Uh, Actually, I've been, I guess I could say entertained. That's kind of what Twitter's for. But you know who Ben Myers is? I thought you were going to say Ben Shapiro, and I was going to be like, yes. (laughs) No, no, not that. But you know who Ben Myers is? Is He's a a counselor. uh, he's a scholar, like a Bible scholar in Australia, I think. Oh, okay. No, I don't know. A uh, super like nerdy bright guy. But he has been just writing down, I would say, kind of cataloging all of his immediate and honest thoughts as he reads Genesis from the beginning. Like oh, he just puts gosh. them on Twitter. He a, he's, he's, yeah, he's a Christian. A Christian. Okay, okay. He's, a, he's a Bible scholar. Yeah, he's uh yeah, yeah. who's really, you know, as far as I can tell, um really solid in a lot of ways. But he is he's starting at the first book of the Bible and he's just saying if, if you were able to ask the questions that come to mind, like the the real things that pop up. And so when you read through it, I mean, for someone who doesn't know what he's doing, you could almost be a little offended. Yeah. Like, what do you mean you could ask that of God? And yet uh, he's going through all of the hardest parts. Wait, what's the sign that we're your people? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What well, was it, it do? <laughs> Like, why was it that? And then, and and of course, I mean, he asked questions about, well, man, killing that person seemed like an overreaction. Yeah. I wonder why that is. Or yeah. Why did they respond like this when it comes to you know, sexual sin and that kind of stuff. And so he's just, he's just going through it. And what's funny is, is that he's done that. Like we started Genesis a year and a half ago. And I really resonated. Like I, I related to him in the sense that I wanted to teach through Genesis and say, all right, if we didn't know anything, like if this is God's story and he's telling us about himself and about the world and about us, what are the things that, that we would have questions about? What are the things? And, and so dreams came up really early on. Right. And I would say even before legitimately dreams, I want to talk about how specific that is, but, You get to God just talking with his people and you start from the beginning and you say, okay, he's going to insist on revealing himself. He's going to want to talk. Right. And then he just does it in a bunch of ways. So I think on Sunday I mentioned he's walking with Adam and Eve in the garden. Right. And we're to take that at face value. Wow, he talked with them like a friend, I guess, you know, and that's nothing odd about that. But by the time we get to Genesis 12, we're seeing things like the Lord said to Abram. Right. And... I just, I think if you start there without any of assumptions or all the things that we know in qu- quotes, you know, how did he talk to him? Did, does it come from a voice from the sky? Right. Is it, was it inner feeling? Was it, yeah. How did you inner understand that? Yeah. Did he write it? And I, I think it must've been maybe audible in some it way. seems like it. Yeah. Cause it's not recorded like later on, right? When real people show up. Right. Sometimes he sends an angel. And right. then I said that Sunday too, that, you know, sometimes the angels show up and they're so fearful and awesome. Um, Terrible, really, that people fall down. Other times, they don't even know. It's they're an never described
0: being. with wings,
1: which is oh. interesting. It's like a cultural thing. They always yeah, show up these. Don't the angelic beings in the in Revelation? Oh well, yeah, but no. they're not the.
0: Go. I guess
1: there's different. There's different levels of angelic. Actually, I did guy. see something like that <laughs> over the last uh, while too. I want to say when I was looking through the the stuff right before Sodom and Gomorrah. Gomorrah um, somebody wrote like they tried to do authentic. Hand-drawn pictures of what angels are described as in the Bible, and I thought it was super cool because it's not all just like the little cherubim thing. Yeah, like, oh, these are yeah. terrifying creatures. Oh, I think
0: I saw it. It's like the, you you know, the one with the multiple eyeballs and the. Yes. I mean, it is. It's they're they're, they're freaky. You know, or like totally. half animal, half human. Yeah, but it's but you're right. I mean, like it's all over Genesis. There's these kind of like mm-hmm. angels and weird occurrences and audible speaking, and sometimes we can be a little. I don't know if desensitizes the word or we're, we just kind of like, we don't, we lose the wonder of like, whoa,
1: yes, this is happening. Exactly. So that, that question of you lose the wonder of it, um, that you stop saying one, one, one the wonder of, wow, God communicates. This right. is super cool. Wow. That's amazing. Despite sin, he communicates two He seems to do this in a lot of strange ways. And yeah. then by the time you get to say Jacob with his dream about Jacob's ladder, by the time you get to that point, actually, even before that, remember one of the first instances is Abimelech, right? Who's, who's basically, he's, yeah, he's a pagan, pagan, yeah, pagan yeah. guy. He's a leader, right. and he end up, ends up rebuking Abraham via a dream that clearly must have been God. That's the right. way that he was guided. Right. By the time you get to those moments, that's where dreams first start to come up. I think maybe it's possible that you've just stopped asking those questions. You've just lost the wonder and you've just kind of chalked it up to, oh, I don't know, crazy stuff. You're almost like used to it. You're like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then now we've come back full circle again and we're right here. And I just, I don't want to get used to it in that way. I don't want to get used to the idea that Joseph is this dreaming and self dream interpreting guy. And then that's the way that God seems to lead him because this is a pretty important section of Israel's history. I mean, this is how they're going to be preserved. We love this section of the Bible. right? And I'm just asking the questions, oh, well, what do we make of this? Why why does God give dreams specifically? And why is Joseph so entwined with that kind of communication? So anyway, that's where I think the first questions started to come. And then the more that I've thought through this, you know, one of the hard things about pe- preaching a book of the Bible And I don't know if maybe this is just to get myself um, some some awe. It's okay from people. But, you know, if you're preaching week after week in the same book of the Bible, a lot of themes reoccur and Mm -hmm. characters come back. And some you think to yourself and the questions we ask is like, is this the week where we talk about that? Like, is this Is is this the the worst week of his sin or should I wait and highlight his sin next week? Those kind of things. And last week, I think the thing that struck me like, is this the week we talk about dreams? Like, do we finally just have a throwdown on the revelation right, of right, God? Right. But that ends up being—I mean, it would take the whole whole week, probably. It'd be like, a, and and then that leads to the second thing. And so I, you know, I'd say this: you um, well, before we sat down, before mics are on, we kind of talked about, well, why why do this? Why did we write this down? And it, it strikes me that you know a lot of people. It's not like I'm getting bombarded with emails. Like nobody in the church is up in arms. Like it's just like it's basically me. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, I just you. fill
0: your email box. No, I,
1: I have you filtered. I, oh, hi,
0: that's and, that's why you don't respond to me.
1: <laughs> and all I'm your, sending them all to Zach now. And be like, please forward to Lance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and all of your secret email accounts, too. <laughs> Ryan Prang. Like, uh-huh. come on, I know. I Dang know it. You are. So I got all that filtered out. It's not like I'm getting bombarded with questions. And but that strikes me. It's something that I was sure. thinking about too. Where you know, maybe this podcast or what I send, maybe what I want to say to our church, like we're a, uh, thank God, we're an orthodox, conservative, Bible-believing, you know, committed to Jesus kind kind of church. But I also think that, you know, maybe one of the things that's happened with us is we assume that there's a particular box we can put these things in. Right. So we have our weird stuff of the Old Testament or... You know, you can read Hebrews and, and of course it's there in Hebrews one, we have our, all the other ways that God used to talk in the world and work in the world. And we put it all in that box and then we've exempted ourselves from it. And so maybe what I want to say is, I, I don't, maybe we should have more questions. Maybe, maybe Wait, the church should be he's not more. just
0: talking about like, you know, God will give you a dream to build a small business. And like, you know, we all have dreams, but I mean, he's talking about supernatural.
1: Yes. Divine supernatural yeah. revelation. Yeah. And so I, I would want to say to a church like ours, I think, yeah, well, let's not just gloss over completely. I mean, yes, of course, we're gonna land in a spot where I think there's some some guardrails, and there's good reason for us to emphasize scripture and specifically scripture as it glorifies Jesus. Cause I mean, that's clearly the most, the most direct and universal word we have. But On the other side, I don't think that we should chalk everything up to, you know, the other kind of person. I can imagine a church where, I I bet there's other people too. I can imagine being the other swing of it. Let's say you're the kind of church who believes that God's constantly doing this. In other words, you wake up in the morning and you want like the liver shiver. You're just like, God's going to give me a vision today. And that's how I got to get through the day. Or, uh, you know, every time we preach a sermon series or something, I would have to stand up and convince the church that I had received a vision from the Lord. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. What's funny is, is that, you could probably preach to a, a group of people in that context. And they might also not ask good questions about dreams mm-hmm. like they, because they assume all the other, they seem the other way. Right. Which is just like, it's like swinging a pendulum that swings back. There's and forth, a pendulum yeah. swings back and forth. Exactly. Right. And so maybe this is an attempt, you know, first by me and then for our church to say, huh, let's ask the questions and then look in the Bible and see what it, what does it say about this for real? You know, the best we can, what does scripture say? about God's use of dreams specifically mm-hmm. um, in communicating. So I guess that's where it started. And I'll probably send something out to the church in a little while, but I also thought, let's record it. You know, some people want to, I don't know. What do you think people do? Do you ever think about that when you're recording? What are they doing when they're listening to this? Never. I don't really care about what people think. <laughs> yeah. We no, just not talk. what they think. Just like, what are they doing? You know what, what are I mean? They like, doing? are they driving in the car right now? I just. Like, what are you doing, doing right now? Probably yoga. That's that's pretty much our demographic. People who do yoga. Mm-hmm. Totally. People who... I ever told you the... Joke. It was a joke on me because I didn't know what was going on. But uh, somebody who's uh, remained nameless, but a, a good, a really good friend who, who I like a lot. But I didn't know that hot yoga was a thing, <laughs> and uh, I just overheard them yeah. saying to someone else uh, that they had ran into at the at the grocery store or something like that. They ran into their hot yoga instructor, and both of them seemed very like normal about this and and there was a there was something that kind of rose up in me where i was like am i gonna have to rebuke a brother <laughs> like, what is what do you what do you mean is going i got with this and it took me a little while to realize the joke was on me and that's not what it didn't mean what i thought it meant yeah, to be fair i mean it's calling something hot yoga i mean it's like exactly. yeah yeah
0: I mean, why can't you call it elevated temperature yoga true you know what i mean yeah there's some marketing angle that's hum- a whole other thing humid, but, uh, humid yoga yeah have you read any dreams about hot yoga? or I'm no, trying to no, segue be, no, that in, but now segue. it's getting really weird. You, shoe, so,
1: you shoehorned it. I I, yeah, there
0: you go. But something I really like about this, what you've written out here is, is you're asking these broader questions of God's you know, revelation as a whole, and, you, and you're looking at some of the examples of the dreams that happen. And uh, you have this list, and hopefully we can get something out. But what's fascinating about this list is not all of these people are – Worshippers of God that are receiving dreams, and uh, this kind of little—you've got like all these people in Genesis. You've got Abimelech and Jacob, and uh, you have this little grid that's really helpful. Can you, t- like, I don't know, through the podcast, if you if, if you can explain it? But I'd love to, like, what's this? What's your survey as you're looking yeah. through the kinds of people who receive these dreams, the way they receive it, what the messages are about? What have you discovered?
1: Yeah, I'll try to I'll try to make a the I'll make try to make the table visual as we go. Uh, a couple of caveats as we start. So I went through and I I just tried to systematize because, and see, this is what, this is what people in our, in our world do. We try to systematize the Bible. So I started out and I just thought, what are all the instances where we know for sure God chose to reveal himself, either instruction or whatever it is through dreams. So I wrote those out. That's what this table is. But the other thing, as we start, and you and I had this conversation too, it's like an immediate reaction. Um, I had to make a decision about how do I clarify dreams. Because, sure. Yeah. What counts? Because what, what counts? What was the, what was the first example you brought up where you said it's missing in the list? It was Daniel. Oh, right? Daniel. Right. Yeah. You only have one vision listed, but
0: he seems to have multiple visions, but there's a distinction that you mentioned. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So here's the decision it. that I made on this list. Like if we think about the table, um, because you might be already listening to this thinking of a bunch of different examples. I I decided to take only the explicit examples where the Bible makes it Makes it evident that this was a dream. In other words, what I'm imagining is person's tucked in pillow, teddy bear, right. totally subconscious, just out, drool yeah. coming down, and that would be a dream. And I think that that is different than there's plenty of other examples, and Daniel's a chief among them, where it's clear. I would say you know Daniel, and then people think of Revelation, which is you know not great awake too as to our, to That's our sponsor. one crazy
0: dream too. It's one
1: crazy dream yeah. to our sponsor. Revelation revealed right. ten myths concerning the most right. interesting book. Oh, of Bible? we've already
0: finished that. We've already revealed. Oh, okay. it. It's already revealed. Oh, and you're out assuming there.
1: that all your listeners yeah. have already gone back. Okay, go back <laughs> if you haven't listened. If you haven't listened to that. But so I basically just said I'm not going to include those. Yeah. Like, that just vision, vision strictly. So John says in the Isle of Patmos, he was, he was in the spirit of the Lord on the Lord's Day. You know that kind of thing. I just thought, all right, I'm going to separate that out because that sure. doesn't seem to be what happens. Say for instance, last week when we looked at Genesis 40, the cupbearer and the baker. I think they really went to bed. And then they woke up in the morning and they were disturbed by whatever they'd experienced. It was, and, and, I, and I would say that there's even a distinction we could make here because a dream in that sense where you go to bed, you really don't have anything to do with it. I mean, and I think that's why dreams can be scary for people sometimes mm-hmm. too. I mean, you feel like they just happen to you. You're as passive as you get in the world when you've dreamed, uh, which is, you know fascinating. So that's what I did in this list. And here's what we come up with when you go through it and you take it strictly just like that. You basically get six examples just in Genesis alone. I've mentioned them already. The first and most interesting, I think, is Abimelech because he's a pagan. Uh, Then Jacob has a couple. um, And it's really with Jacob that it starts with the family. Jacob has a couple. Joseph has self-dreams that he also interprets. Then you get Cupbearer and Baker, which we just read. And then, of course, next chapter, Pharaoh, which is going to be super important to organize the the seven years around the famine and the and the plenty that they're gonna have. So you get those in Genesis, and then you just have a little bit of a smattering. Like the next time that that kind of, I went to sleep and then I woke up and here's what God did, only shows up a few other times directly. One is in Judges seven, where Gideon has, has a vision in his dream. And then I would say that's the other thing, as I mentioned that I tried to say, sometimes the dream doesn't need an interpreter because God just speaks in the dream. So all that happened, it, it says yeah. he had a dream, and all that happened in the dream is it seems like God's voice came to them. So they wake up and they know exactly what to do. They're not troubled by it. They don't go seek out an interpreter.
0: Right. And
1: there's other times, and I wrote that on here in content, where it's just like the sign only. In other words, they... That's the Nebuchadnezzar or, thing where he's like, what does this mean? We need a guy who can interpret this. What does this. it mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So Judges 7, that's the kind of dream Gideon has. Uh, Solomon in First Kings chapter chapter 3... And he said, "This is another one of there's so many stories where we just take for granted the way that God communicated. Right, and I just right. want to ask questions. So Solomon, when he gets his wisdom, that was a dream in the in the, in the really? night. Really, I didn't come, even think about that. <laughs> God comes doing a dream and is like, "What do you want?" You know, it's a yeah. it's intriguing the way that functions. So you have Solomon, Job seven. Um, I kind of cheated here a little bit. Yeah, I was interested
0: but, about this. Well, yeah, what's so the- here
1: is Job. Job seven. Job is complaining, complaining to God about his presence being far from him basically, and him being tormented and suffering. Right. And he describes in the midst of one of his complaints, he says, you visit me in my dreams, but only to torment me, basically, is is what he says. So now you can take that, again, I mean, however you want to be, how much scrutiny you want to put on this. I mean, I took it at face value that Job believes and has experienced what he believes, you know, what he sees as. Or he sees it as an occurrence that happens. It's an occurrence that happens that God comes to him in his dreams and he can discern that. Then you have Daniel 2, which is the one in Daniel that I, I mentioned explicitly, which is surprisingly, I mean, if, if we're keeping strict rules around what's a dream, it's not Daniel. It's Nebuchadnezzar. It's a, it's this this king that has it. Right. So that's- that's There's also a pagan. Also Canada. a yeah, pagan. Yeah. Yeah. And so if we're keeping track so far, we're only through the Old Testament and we have more than half of them recorded so far. God has communicated in dream to non-godly people, to pagans. And just, and right, when we're talking like they are-
0: asleep it's just not yes, like they're yes, walking yes. through the desert and then they see something it's like they're out unconscious and then they wake up the next saying, like what the heck was that or they know what it was but they yeah. you know i wonder if it's like how do you know if you had a dream from god and i feel like every one of these guys would be like you would know <laughs> like they don't wake up being like i don't know was yeah. it? they were pretty it was pretty clear That something weird had happened.
1: Yeah, there was a moment, and I think when you look through the list where I think like, ah, I found a pattern. Yeah. The the pagans get the vision, but they never get the interpretation because God won't speak to them. But if you're godly, he can speak to you. And then that gets totally blown out with the first one in the whole Bible, which is Abimelech, because God speaks directly to him. Yeah. He doesn't need an interpretation where the other ones do. So I guess what I'm going to say, we just got through the Old Testament and there's not really a discernible pattern. There's no way to systematize this. Mm-hmm. There's no way to make the dreams of God be a vending machine type thing. Right. Um, I don't think that from this, you should probably imagine that this is gonna be a common occurrence, though it is common enough that you can't tell the story of redemption without it. Sure. And you know, speaking of story of redemption, we get through Old Testament and then the rest of the list are in the book of Matthew. Yeah, that's fat. that's the most interesting thing. I'm like, wow, I didn't realize how many dreams are in the
0: New Testament. Yeah. So in the, or at least in Matthew,
1: Yeah. In the same way, we're telling the story of Genesis, and everyone just goes over it because we've heard it since Sunday school, right? Yeah. Then Joseph had a dream. His brothers were going to bow down to him. And you just gloss. I didn't over grow
0: it. up going to Sunday school, but okay, it sorry. sounds
1: like I missed a great experience. He did. <laughs> you basically would know everything. But okay, so like the retelling or the telling of the story of Jesus, yeah. God has to communicate that Jesus is coming and he does it in a bunch of ways. Like you think about all the ways that he does it. I mean, one of the coolest ways that he does it is he sends a crazy man in the desert who prepares the way, John the Baptist, right? Right. Like an actual human being who yells a lot and says like, Jesus is coming. He gives angel visits to people. But what gets glossed over is that Joseph receives a dream. Like in the middle of the night, and that's what calms him and says, "Okay, this is going to be fine." He actually gets two of them: one recorded in Matthew, one one in Matthew two. And then we also have the moment where the wise men uh, come. And this one, this one tripped me up a little bit because I'm trying to figure out: well, how many people receive dreams? Like, mm-hmm. how common is this? And of course, we don't we don't really know exactly how many wise men there's. We three Th- We three kings as a song, of course, but <laughs> I think that's wrong. It's just based on it's based on three gifts. It's so, Florida Georgia Line, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Where, I, where you are the only band I listen to. So I was I just going to say, I would love to know how you picked that band out of all things for that joke. It was just my favorite. It was band. good. It was witty. I just loved them. And then, like you already mentioned it, Pilate's wife, I think. Um, yeah. Also. So if the pattern of the Old Testament was both godly and ungodly, or God's people and pagans, that's repeated again in the New Testament because it's essentially God's people, but then also someone who wouldn't fit that bill. And... We have God speaking audibly nearly in all those cases. So that's the list. I mean, that's the whole thing. That's the table that, you know, we just went through in detail.
0: It is hard. You're right. There is no discernible. You can't say like, this is how dreams work for these people, Mm -hmm. you know, but it does seem to be something we forget when you flip through Genesis, you think like you're going through like a month, you know? Yeah. But it's like, no, this is over generations. Yeah. So it seems like every other day they're having a dream, but it's really not the case.
1: Hundreds of years.
0: Right. Hundreds I mean, really? of years. And something. Yeah. But, uh, but you also can't deny, like, you re- I mean, th- these are key points in redemptive history. These are key revelation. Like these aren't just like take it or leave it. I mean, these are mm-hmm. important things that push the, you know, push the, the grand story forward. And uh, even just, uh, yeah, I, that's something I was like, that's right. Joseph did have two dreams. Oh wow, and it's even another Joseph. I didn't even think of it. Look at look at those another connections. J- see that? Look at Bible study is fun, guys. Yeah,
1: for a while. I mean, you could find some patterns. The, the prevalence, if your name starts with J, you're more likely to have a God, a God during J- Jacob, know. Jacob, and oh, Joseph's. Yeah, man. Jabimelech. No. Jabimelech. <laughs> <laughs> is that the worst Bible joke of all time, you think? Did we just know?
0: <laughs> oh man. Oh. No, that was that was well played. That was well played. So we look at his list. And uh, there's about fifteen, over fifteen people, and uh, we see all these key moments and the ways that they're interpreted. You even mentioned in First Samuel, Saul, and we're going through, we went through First Samuel with the youth group, and, and this is very interesting how important the prophets are in in, in the Book of First Samuel. But Saul laments the lack of dreams. That, uh, which seems to assume that, that Saul, the king, he received and interpreted them. That's something that you make a point of.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, I guess what I'm getting at there, I think that one was intriguing to me because we've just recorded more than 15 people, but we said, well, this is over the course of 1500 plus years. And so it's common. They just might've
0: written it down though,
1: because apparently Saul's been like, what's Mm -hmm. going on with my dreams? I'm not having as many or something like that. Yeah. So he's the king. This is the guy who's responsible for leading God's people. And he just makes the assumption that one of the ways that he knows that God is has pulling his presence from him is like, you don't give me these leading dreams anymore. Right. Um, so he, he, his instance is much like Job's, right? Where Job just complains about it and makes it seem like, well, he knows they should come, but they don't. Right. And then so Saul's the same way. So yeah, he's not in the list specifically, uh, but clearly indicates that he was experiencing things like this. Right? So you have all these dreams that are, that
0: dreams seem to be at least something that isn't alien to the people in the Bible that they, maybe they don't expect them all the time, but when they happen, they don't act like something super strange is happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, so how do you, I've just been thinking through the idea of dreams and the Bible and their purpose. What are some like, have you been able to categorize some of the, 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 the types of dreams or messages that come through? What's when you kind of get into the nitty gritty of it, what do you, what are some things that you see or even some surprising things that you've noticed?
1: Yeah. Okay. So now you got to the next level of category. So first you're looking for what are the kinds of people to get it or right. when does God speak or prevalent? And, and again, I, I really don't, it's not like I've come to some conclusion where I think it's always these kind of people. Right. And always right. this kind of way. Cause it's a mix of pagans and yeah. believers. Yeah. And then you think, well, maybe God always acts the same way in a dream. And he he doesn't. doesn't do that either. Right, sometimes right. he talks and sometimes he just brings weird riddles. Right. I will say that the the next thing I thought was like, well, is it always used for some type of message? Right. But what's nuts is it's not that either, right? Like some (laughs) of the messages are, I mean, let's even think about this from last week in 40. He gives a dream to the cupbearer to say, everything's going to be fine. You'll get your job back. And then he also gives a dream to the baker to say, you're going to be impaled and die. I know. You couldn't get more stark different than that. I know. So sometimes you wake up, you're like,
0: I hope that wasn't prophetic. Dang it. (laughs) It was.
1: Yeah. So sometimes God brings good tidings and sometimes they're terrible. I would say the things that we can, and that kind of gets to the next, next part. I tried to categorize There's also a bunch of instruction concerning dreams in the Bible. It's not the actual instances of them, but it's instruction. And so here's some of the things I think that, that you can bank on. The first is this idea that they always need to be interpreted. Now, You don't need an interpreter if God himself spoke in the dream. So that that helps with some of it. But there's a section in Numbers chapter 12. um, And I put this in its own category that just called mystery and riddle. And I think it's because God himself calls dreams this. But he mentions, you know, he just says it directly in verse 6 of Numbers chapter 12. If there's a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. And then he clarifies or he says further, I speak with him in a dream. Mm-hmm. So now we're like, all right, well, here's God on record saying, I do this. I give dreams to prophets. But then he says, not so with my servant Moses. He's faithful in all my house. When I speak, I speak with him. With him, I speak mouth to mouth, clearly not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. So I think what that told me was, is that in some way, especially the dreams where God doesn't speak audibly, he's doing it as a, as a way to both reveal, but to hide. Right. And kind so, like in a
0: parable. Parable man. kind of way, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. So I think there is a pattern where especially um, especially you can see it in Genesis when Joseph has to come to the forefront to interpret because interpretations belong to mm-hmm. God. I think that's part of the teaching of the Bible there. And what's happening is that there's a pattern where dreams become a parable. They're like the Old Testament parable. I mean, I was trying to think through. Yeah, yeah, that's
0: a good way to put it.
1: I mean, other than Solomon, I was trying to think off the top of my head. You know, other than Solomon, that time where... um well, but he he kind of tells riddles and you know there's that time where he's like does he even tell the, does he even tell the story? I was thinking about the time where he tells them like we're going to cut the child in half, you know. Oh, right, <laughs> I mean, right, right, right. I guess he's but it's not even riddle the riddle. That's more like a yeah. threat. Um there is the there is a parable. There's a parable that's given when David is confronted about his sin, right? You know,
0: from so Nathan, the, yeah. from
1: Nathan. So that's, that's a parable, but parables aren't as prevalent in the old Testament. And what I'm thinking is, is like, well, God was still telling riddles, right? He just did them in uninterpreted or signed dreams. This is a great, I actually did a, I did a paper in seminary on prophecy. And this was a yeah. really
0: interesting text because there's a distinction between, you know, he talks about, I, I'll speak to my prophets in visions and dreams. But Moses is a different kind of prophet. He speaks to him mouth-to-mouth clearly and not in riddles. So there's almost like prophet level you know, premium-level prophet, which is Moses. He gets word-to-word dictation. And then there's, you know, economy-class prophet who just <laughs> yeah, gets riddles. Exactly. And so uh, that's an interesting thing where, where, you know, God even, just because you're a prophet doesn't mean you'll receive. There's different levels of clarity in prophecy, yeah. apparently.
1: So of all the times that I'm I'm trying to understand these things, what's amazing is, yeah, I came to the end of it. And what you just said is, I think the next conversation, all these conversations are connected. So we said, what about dreams in the Bible? And that's what, I mean, the first thing you have to say is, well, let's talk about how God communicates and reveals himself. What do you think about that verse? And what I was left with after this is that's the next that's the next big conversation, right? What does the word prophecy mean in the Bible? That'll preach part two, yeah. Episode. Like, so how do we handle that word? Yeah. You know, right. Who was right. a prophet? It's it's way more complicated than we think. Absolutely, you know, there's a lot of nuance to this, but and people discuss it, and I think it's going to be nuanced because the New Testament has a couple things right. to say about prophecy, and I'm going to get to that later. But but you you were saying with, with riddles, you're saying these are kind of like the Old Testament parables, right?
0: You were saying that they. What were the words? They either instruct or they were they... they reveal
1: but hide at the same time. Right, right. You know that's gotcha. the. And then what happens? What happens with all good parables is they they make you ask more of God to seek Him to right. And and then when your heart and your mind is a, is illumined to them, you it's almost an assurance. Oh. God is with me. Like, I can understand this, you know? So Jesus, in other words, when he's teaching in parables, he says to his disciples, like, you're you're privileged because right. you, you get to see this, but they will forever hear and not understand, right? And I think especially in Joseph's case, that's what seems to make sense to me the most, is that he's being highlighted as one who has the presence of God and is able to interpret. And it gives us assurance that God is still with him the yeah. other people the other people can't understand the parables I, I don't i don't they're like i don't know what's going on here there's just a bunch of baked goods on my head I'm like <laughs> what happens you know what am i supposed to do with this so the parable has revealed something to the chief baker but then it makes him seek out an interpretation and as we read it and we see that joseph is able to read the sign he can see the parable i think that it kind of it helps us to say all right well this has not been hidden from him so god's presence is with him so if if you're you know, if you're today, if you're wondering, was this a
0: God speaking to me in a dream, it, would the, like, the test of it be? Is there an interpretation, if, if someone else has an interpretation of it, or if you receive an interpretation of it? Like, are there any instances where you just, you know, because it seems like they're either God explicitly says it in the dream or somebody else helps you. So is that, like, a way
1: to check if... Something weird yes. to happening in your own life. You know? Yes. I think we're going to, I think we're definitely going to get to that no matter what. It seems like an interpreter. So people who could self-interpret dreams, there was a word for that in the old Testament. You were a prophet. Right. So you either were a prophet or you needed a prophet. Right. Either way, every dream needed to be confirmed, you know, by, by the, mecha- by the mechanism. I'm going to say it this way. Every dream needed to be confirmed by the mechanism that God gave his people to confirm it. And I will say that I do think this is where, you know, us being careful and thoughtful and conservative in the way the Bible teaches about these things is clear because I, you know, living on the other side of Christ, we're to, li- we're to do all things in light of him mm-hmm. and in the way that he's organized his church right. and in the way that he's given his final word. Right. So we do have a mechanism for interpreting dreams. It's just that the some people don't want that. Like it, it sounds more exciting if you're a self-interpreter or it seems more like, uh, you know, maybe, maybe one person could go and I could interpret your parable crazy dream for you when the reality, and this is, you know, I'm kind of like, uh, I'm kind of spoiling, you know, the punchline here a little bit, but I would say the way that, you know, if you think something's crazy happening, I keep having this dream or I have yeah. this dream and I don't know what's going on. I mean, you would do with it what you would do with any, what you considered might be a gift of the spirit or a word or something like that. You bring it to the elders of the church and you say, Hey, I've scoured the Bible. Uh, this seems to glorify Jesus. But I'm bringing it to the mechanism that God has given His church for the interpretation of these kind of things, and what do you guys think of this um and that seems to be the difference. Well, Lance, maybe now would be the time
0: to tell you that uh the past week I've been having a dream of you buying me chick-fil-a every single day this entire week. I don't know what the interpretation wow. is, but
1: that might be yeah it that that might be. It might be wishful thinking. Uh, Chick-fil-A is... uh, Prophetic thinking. When you say by prophetic thinking, you think it more relates to... Because what I last heard, I can't remember I heard this somewhere, but the Chick-fil-A, isn't it closed on Sunday? Isn't it? True. I didn't I get to that part of, of the dream. I woke up. So, is it still happening then? That it was, one, that's a it key was to a, my interpretation. It was, it was one of those Monday through Saturday dreams. Okay. Yeah. It said every week. That was a key to my interpretation. Oh, okay. Well, see, there you go. You're doing it. Good example. Brian's just really I'm walking out. I'm a prophet. You know, you're, I, you're walking out what's supposed to happen, is you're saying, but I would just be one of the elders, and what I would have to do is write this out and bring it to the rest of the elders. Oh, dang
0: it. That's never going to pass by yeah. Jeff Schaefer. That's never no, going to pass exactly.
1: by. <laughs> Jeff's going to say this sounds like a salary like, Yeah, I, I deny that. I deny that dream. Yeah. <laughs> So So I've, I've kind of, um, anyway, I, I've pushed a little bit and I, and I'm going to say this, I want us as a church to think about these kinds of things and to be a little bit more curious, a little bit more in wonder about the fact that God's still sovereign and can do these things. So if we're going to find a pattern, you know, another pattern about this is like, no, duh, when and how God communicates is up to him. Like he's, he's, he's totally, I mean, dreams couldn't be more passive and then even in the pattern of who receives them, totally up to him. This is totally his good player. So I do want, I think it's probably a good time to talk about, and maybe at this point now I keep saying things like, I want to press us. We need to be open to this. and Press it. Let's go. Uh, so I probably is a good time to say, well, let's talk about, if you're getting a little uncomfortable, of course the Bible has a ton of warnings about dreams too. Yeah. So if you came to me and said, I mean, the, I thought where you're going to go at that is that you had a dream is, you know, the, the, the big thing with this is not a dream, but like a, I feel like the Lord is leading me or like the Lord <laughs> told me kind of thing. It's like, you know, I like dating relationships and that kind oh, of stuff. Yeah. Always the, and I, if you're wrong, they cut your head off. They cut the your head off. Yep. Exactly. So, I mean, dating relationships is kind of the joke about how these are misused uh, TV preacher kind of people yeah, are like, yeah. you know, I had a, I had a dream, you know, not about Chick-fil-A you, you went low, but I had, I had a dream about a private jet. It's, it's a very about, humble dream. It's a humble, humble dream. Also you're, you're not, uh, you're not eating well, if that's if that's all you could think of in that moment. So yeah, we know the abuses, right? And you can imagine a church where everyone is their own dreamer and their yeah. own interpreter. So right, the chaos. The chaos theory, right, of this whole thing. So there are a bunch of other categories. If you just search through and say, what is everything the Bible says about dreams? You know, other than what we've said already, this is enough to to hopefully whet our appetite and be like, wow, I'm curious now. But let's get serious for a second and realize, you know what a lot of the Bible says about dreams? Be careful. Yeah, exactly. Be careful. So Deuteronomy 13, this is under a whole section that I would just call warnings and misuse of dreams, right? In Deuteronomy 13, now this one is is intriguing, but Deuteronomy 13, God says, if a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, which is funny, because are those the same person? Is that a different person? You know, I think they're similar, right? At least synonymous in some ways. Arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder. And then in the sign or wonder, and he tells you it's going to come to pass. And he says, in other words, he uses his ability to do dreams. And then he says to you, let's go after other gods. Right. Which is just such a funny way. It's almost like he's like, someone's like putting their hands together. Yeah, like, yeah, let's yeah, go yeah. after other gods. It was a dream. It was great. What well, would we find? Yeah. And then this is what Deuteronomy says. Don't listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer. Don't listen to them. Right. And the way that you should, he says later, for the Lord, your God is testing you to know whether that you love the Lord, your God with all of your heart and all of your soul you shall walk after him and keep his commandments. So what's funny is as God's building in, he's building in a test here. Right. He's saying, here's the thing. A true prophet of mine is going to know that no dream will ever lead them astray from me. Right. And if the prophet is so dumb as not to know that, the people should. Right. So
0: check it against the, check the law of God, against the word the of, law God. of God. Yeah. yeah so yeah.
1: it's the it's the Bible itself, even in the Old Testament where all this is. Here's the first test of interpretation of dreams does it line up with my commands and cause you to worship me, the one true God? And he just says in Deuteronomy 13, now this is where we, you know, we said it earlier. He says, if that prophet or dreamer is in your midst, they shall be put to death because he has taught rebellion against the Lord, Lord, your God. So being a false prophet, being a false dreamer, I'll just put it that way. Being a false dreamer came with a massive cost. Sure. You were just put to, you were put to death. So in this case, I think that there is a warning both for the prophet and for the people. Mm-hmm. And God is telling them that a prophet who comes with a dream or someone who says, I love dreams, and God's speaking to me, the prophet needs to be careful because they're gonna be put to death and they need to, you know, have an, an understanding of that. But then also what I love about Deuteronomy 13 is that I think it gives the the people a warning to say, you need to listen and say to yourself, there's some stuff I've told you for you know, clear, like no one gets to have a dream where murder is now on, like the purge is in or something that doesn't get to happen. So as people be aware, prophets be aware. And then, you know, he goes on Jeremiah 23, I think is more about prophets. And this one, God just warns them and imagines because we know this is true. And this is what people get so uptight about. It's like, if we talk about this too much, what about its abuse? And it's Genesis is there. Those people would have known their history. And in Jeremiah 23, God's warning them and saying, well, there's just going to be some prophets who just lie. They just lie about it. He says, if a prophet comes in my name and he keeps saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. uh, Like this can't be, in other words, he thinks this is an access code to get to do whatever he wants and assess, you know, gain power for himself and that kind of stuff. There's some people who like, like the idea of I'm a diviner. Like I I have a direct thing to God. I've had a dream. And if God's prophets could do that, then clearly none of us are above it, you know, and like. If, I don't think we're being overly harsh if I kind of with sarcastic tone say, oh, I think that TV preacher is a charlatan. Yeah. <laughs> He's just using dreams for his own yeah. benefit. He's saying God spoke to him because he loves the feeling of power that he right, gives him. Right, right, And the fact that the people are undiscerning and they give him right. that power. I'm not being sarcastic. I'm not being rude. I'm not being judgmental by saying that. I'm just saying what the Bible said. Apparently, it was a problem then and it'll be a problem. Well, it's like, why yeah. do they have these big ministries?
0: It's because people enable them.
1: Totally. Because people aren't, you
0: know, being biblical about it and— it is, you know, these are sobering warnings and you forget that with all these dreams, they have a corporate dimension. It affects other people. It's not just for them and their mm-hmm. hobbies or something like that or something they hope to accomplish in their life. You know, this is, these prophets are, they have a, a communal role for the community. Absolutely. And uh, so the stakes are very
1: high and just doesn't just affect them. Yeah. So the idea that it affects other people, I think that's the, the next two sections or passages that are direct about dreams. There's a Zechariah passage and then Jude 8. Um, the Jude one's interesting because it's it's still revelant, or relevant, relevant, yeah, relevant. That's the word. Um, a lot of people just say this is all Old Testament stuff. Yeah. Since the New Testament came and Jesus came, it's all done away with. But the Zechariah passage talks about this. There's household gods. They utter nonsense. The diviners see lies. They tell false dreams. That's these lying dreams that Jeremiah is warning about. And then at the end of that verse in Zechariah ten. Says, therefore the people wander like sheep. They are afflicted for lack of a shepherd. Mm. This is that communal aspect. Uh, the lying dreams, the this is a profaning of God's name. Right. right? Th- this is this is taking God's name in vain. Right, right. You, you had a dream, you wanted power, and then you th- conveniently threw God's name on the back of it. Right. And then Jude 8 is similar. He says, yet in like manner, these people also relying on their dreams. Which, what an interesting phrase. Right. That's a, that's a good warning to re- not just rely on these dreams. And what happens is they defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones.
0: I wonder if it, you know, that in the Zechariah verse, it's like the household gods utter nonsense. And it's just a wonder, is this like a demonic thing? Can there be like, you know, demons who lie through people? Or I don't know, there's Just there's just all this, you know... There's this just awareness of how dreams can be mm-hmm. manipulative. They can be detrimental to entire community. There's a lot
1: to be, uh, to be cautious about. I'm not sure if there's a good, well, we, we all wish that these were easy rules of thumb, yeah. you know, See, that. but that's the thing about, that's the thing about lying prophets is none of them come forward and say, yeah, Hi.
0: I'm, I'm one way, of the bad ones. Bad, don't listen to me. I'm a bad prophet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> it's,
1: it's, so, it's so difficult. And of course, you don't want to live in fear, right? You don't want to think. Yeah. Because that's the other thing that's not taught of God. That we're not taught to be suspicious of one another, but we're taught to test. So I... It can be a difficult thing. I just want to say, you know, if if anybody is fearful that I'm reading about these dream things and I'm thinking, like, well, now we're just gonna go off the deep end. I mean, no, it's very clear that one of the main things God says about dreams in the Bible is be careful with them. Right. Because this is the ways that go wrong. What's that old testament king who's like, he's like, I need a prophet
0: ASAP? And then they bring the one guy's like, No, don't bring him. He always has bad prophecies for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he always prophesies judgment against my sin. I don't like him. Get another one. <laughs> Was it Ahab? Yeah, or? I'm
1: trying to think yeah. of which one it was. It's a great little way to put me on, put me on the spot. I know, I, I don't remember the exact reference, but so here's the here's the uh, the last category concerning right. dreams. The right. first one is they happen a lot and they're there, and that might think to yourself, well, we should be curious about it then. Right. Then the second, you know, big category is well, they're kind of parables and mysterious, and God says don't misuse them because they'll you'll suffer and die. And I, I think where I'd want to leave this though is to remember that dreams are still a part of. When, when we think about the way that God is going to meet us and if he's our God and we're his people and he's leading us, I still think that we should have a category like dreams as a way that God may, may speak. And I get that you know, from Joel chapter two. So Joel chapter two is his prophecy for the future when when God redeems, when he brings about good things. And he says, it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. There's that word again. We gotta talk about prophecy. They shall prophesy your old men shall dream dreams.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he summarizes verse 29, in those days I will pour out my spirit. Now, what's interesting about that is that passage is quoted in Acts chapter two, basically the Pentecost preaching to explain what is happening in the craziness that's going on there, right? And he quotes it and he says, remember in the last days it shall be, God declares, he'll pour out a spirit on all flesh. And then he quotes. And part of that is that your old men shall dream dreams. In those days, I'll pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy, which is, you know, added on, uh, added on there at the, uh, at the end. That's why prophecy becomes such an interesting part of the New Testament. But the point that I want to make here is, if you set aside the abuses, and if you imagine that God is still God and sovereign over these things, and if he's promised, which he has in Joel 2, and then as a part of Pentecost, the apostles at least thought to themselves This is this is wonderful. God's gonna give. This is a part of Him pouring out His Spirit. Then, you know, I think the the long and short of it is, I just don't believe that we should take the things we know solidly. Like I I agree fully that all of this should be in light of who Jesus is and glorify Him. All of it needs to be tested by Scripture, just like Deuteronomy tells us to do. But I don't want to just put it in a convenient box. Way back there in the Old Testament, God could never do this. He stopped now. All of this has ceased. That, that whole cessationist idea, it's just too simple. I think it's lazy. I think it's, it's uh, it allows people to be a little bit too sure of themselves. And to, in other words, we've organized, sometimes we've organized religious life so conveniently so that God can't interrupt. I mean, that's a harsh way to say it, but I don't want us to be that. Um, there's a sense in which we can pursue and trust that God's going to lead through the mechanisms that he's given us to discern these things. Now, I'm not, you know, the funny thing about this whole thing is like, who knows? I still think we'd be careful about it. It's not like we're if setting If you have a, a dream, email it to zach.simons Zach at ForoChurch.com. Yes. He's, our, he's our dream he's interpreter. interpreter.
0: Well, that, but, I mean, that is something I do have a question about where it's like, let's say somebody comes and they could, they don't have like a let's go follow, you know, I had a dream that we should all become Muslims mm-hmm. or something like that. But they go, you know, I have a dream that we should start this kind of ministry at four oaks for this type of people or something like that and i just, that was a vivid dream i think it's from the lord that's not against scripture you yeah. know how would you what would your process be for discerning whether that's legit or not
1: yeah it's a good question well here's the thing i mean I, we don't have this happen very often i mean to the right. point where i don't know if people would come and so i do think we need to create or think about a process for that so if you asked me that and someone came and said i would say well you know let me pray with you about that what's what's good what's good about it, and then I think we would have to, especially if it was pressing like if the person said this is a this is making a claim on the church right that kind of thing, then I imagine as a group of elders as a plurality, we'd have to say, because I do think that's a key distinction. I believe that what the New Testament teaches is one that the authoritative word of God is unique and different. Remember how you right. were talking about earlier? There's a the difference between the way Moses the received Moses, the word, yeah, right. Moses versus the the riddles. Right. So whenever we receive, and I'm just going to call it this, I don't mean it in a bad way. In that sense, that dream is a riddle. Here's my here's my dream. I think it's, that's a riddle. And what we're going to do is what we've been taught to do by the Bible as a group of elders, we're taught to take it to scripture and say, well, what mm-hmm. does it look like? And I think that one of the things the Bible gives us confidence about is collectively, leadership of the church, I think the apostles have said, that's who determines, who determines what's from God and what's not, right? So we would pray together about it. We would talk about it. We would say, does this, does this seem to be in line with what we, what we want to do? And I still think it's okay for us to imagine, imagine a group of elders, even in response to a dream like that, saying, I think this. I think this may be from God. We're going to move in these particular ways on it. So should the person who approaches
0: it be like, "I'm not going to say it's from God until
1: yes, the elders
0: I, have like confirmed this." But I have an inkling it might be, and I just want to yeah, humbly I, yeah, present it. Yeah, I think it. that's yeah. the. I
1: think that's a humbling way to do it, for sure. The humble, humble way to do it, um, because I believe that that's the way the church is supposed to be organized, and I think that Scripture teaches that pretty plainly that if you have a complaint or if you have a a charge or if there's heresy or if there's correction needed Mm -hmm. or even the public reading of scripture and devoting yourself to prayer, like those are the tasks of elders. There's a, that's the, that's the mechanism of guardianship that God's been given. Um, it doesn't mean that we're, it doesn't mean we're infallible. I mean, I think we should carry with us the same weight to say, man, we don't want to get this wrong. You know, people, people die. Um, but it, it very well could be a normal thing that's a part of what we do. And I, I put here down at the bottom, I mean, First Thessalonians are the kind of things I think about in a lot of this. Verse 20, just flat out, four words, do not despise prophecies. So right. if the Bible from what I think is at least as much as we have the Bible from beginning to end, closely ties prophets and dreams, and it does in many occasions, and if we're pretty convinced that it doesn't at least definitively say, this is over, stop it, well then, what does that mean to not despise them? You know, I don't want to set up a system where we automatically reject, where we automatically say, "No way, God doesn't do that." There's no way He gave you an inkling. You know that kind of thing. Well, it is challenging that Acts two verse.
0: I'm really like, just reading it. It it does seem to say that okay, the last days are here that were prophesied, and what you're going to see is you're going to see an expansion of these kinds these of these kinds of things. Not not a whittling down. So that's even more challenging where it's like, and, and I don't know, I don't know if I've heard a good cessationist dealing, I've, you know, I've read through a lot of stuff on this passage and it is, it's very challenging, you know, cause it is seems to be saying, yeah, your sons and it's not this, this dream gift is maybe not just dreams, but just prophetic or something, whatever visions, this is talking visions about and dreams, yeah. is not just going to be limited to uh, a small group of people, but it may be more prevalent. Yeah. But uh, it's a tricky, I, I don't know exactly what I think of it. <laughs> well, again,
1: that, this is another like, how, how do we deal with the Holy Spirit and the gifts yeah. in general? We just, these don't, are all, we just don't These talk are all good it. conversations. But just don't talk about it. If I had to make one critique of the cessationist movement, and for those, we keep using that word. For those who don't, don't know what that I means, it comes from the idea of cease. And there's a part of Christianity, and I mean, these are honestly, in a lot of ways, our heroes, people we love they just have a hard stance to say that certain ways that God communicated in the past, he's just done with that. It's over. We have our Bible and that's it. And I think they would put things like prophecy and dreams and, and words. They had
0: ceased after the apostolic age. In other words, yes. And,
1: and I guess what they would mean by that is as soon as John got done writing revelation and he did write some pretty stern stuff at the end, like don't add to this, this is over. Um, but the question becomes, is there a subcategory that's not like the words that Moses get, but can still be helpful. Um, and my critique of cessationist, I think in a lot of ways, uh, you know, anyway, these are generational things, but there were very real battles going on for the significance of the Bible and its importance. Right. And our ability to trust it as the, the sole authority. So like sola scriptura, right? It was a, was an argument that was had. And I just wonder sometimes if in, an, if in order to shore up another area of, the, of theology, we might have, you know, un, unknowingly weakened, <laughs> weakened or... <laughs> Yeah, was it a too a much of an region.
0: overreaction? Yep. Yeah, I mean that is you know with uh, just this whole conversation in general when you talk about dreams, like you mentioned, it's like are we are we going to get weird? Is this going to be mm-hmm. bonkers? But I think what we've seen here is one that they are clear that they happen and they're very important in the biblical narrative. You can't deny that for sure. Yes. And but two, the Bible itself has stern warnings about abusing this. Yes. And so the Bible is very aware. That people can use this for their own evil ends, um, but then it also seems to show this expansion. This that this the spirit is going to, you know, work in some mysterious ways in the church, and that we shouldn't despise it. And that uh, that you know maybe there's just a learning curve. Maybe we just have to be more open to it and see. And always having the authority structure of the church and the word of God be the guide for how we do this. Not not you know letting anybody who has this, whatever dream they want to do, just run with it. But uh, being discerning and trusting that God will help the leaders of the church, guide the church through some of these supernatural uh, instances, you know? And yeah. uh, it's definitely, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot to, to I guess
1: what I would say to people is, I guess what I would say to people is, I want to take all of the Bible, all of the Bible seriously. Right, and we take the warning seriously, mm-hmm. and we take the idea that Scripture is closed seriously, and that the Bible is the final authority that we have seriously. We take eldering, I think, mm-hmm. seriously, and I just wonder if we take passages like Acts two and Thessalonians and Corinthians that talk about prophecy and these kind of gifts. I think sometimes when maybe we're afraid, we do not enough faith to believe. Like maybe we think the, the guardrails that God installed in the church and its leadership aren't enough we need to be a little bit more careful for him, mm-hmm. you know? Like yeah. uh, it lets to be more careful maybe than what it is. And to, so I would just, I don't want to be afraid of it. Uh, I want to install a little bit more wonder about how God, how sovereign God is and the ways that he, just how loving he is to communicate to us and carry us along and lead us in so many different ways. And I think that those ways, I mean, at a minimum, you have to say, yeah, historically it's been through dreams and who knows? I mean, I think if we pursue, if these are the last days, if God has poured out his spirit, you know maybe maybe there's something to to, to discern here. Well I love now. when you you pointed out
0: look there's there's warnings for the prophet but there's also warnings for the listeners. And it's the responsibility of the congregation to know the word of God well enough that they can spot the there frauds. You yeah. You know and that's you know you got to be centered on the written revelation and that's what governs everything. For sure. But uh, this is a great conversation. I mean do you have any do you have any resources you want to recommend? Did you look up Anything that was helpful on dreams? I mean, I don't know. if There's
1: a lot of resources online about this no. Kind of stuff. There's not. There's not a ton actually. Right. That's what's funny is all of the systematic theologies that I love, yeah. And all the biblical theologies that I, I love. Really deal with it. They have it as like maybe a two sentence throwaway under the big category of here's why spiritual gifts don't happen anymore. You know that kind right, of thing. Right. So I mean, this sounds a little a little pretentious or something. But I mean the the resource was was. like a little search thing in Logos, right? Yeah, yeah. To go through and say, where do all these things show up and what kind of patterns, so. I know uh, Andrew Wilson,
0: he's a pastor in the UK. Mm -hmm. He writes a lot of stuff. He's reformed, but he's also charismatic. And he writes a lot of, he tackles a lot of these kinds of issues. He probably has something with dreams on there you search andrew wilson dreams he probably you know, he talks about prophecy a lot he's got a lot of information cool. on that he might
1: be yeah maybe that would be a resource. good conversation next is to yeah. say who can who does this well yeah and then i, I would love to even just do a similar study about yeah. the word for prophecy and yeah. figure it out yeah great
0: stuff thank you lance Thanks for doing the study thanks for sharing and uh, we'll be back next week with some more fascinating scintillating mind-bending material for you guys to. Listen to. thank you guys for checking in